I'm going to stand by that. And no, I don't have any facts. What I have is the ability to reason. Hello and welcome to episode number 54 of Grumpy Old Benz. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we're running HEPA filters on high and everything is canceled. And from America's left coast, where our benevolent overlords never let a good pandemic go to waste. I'm Ryan Bimrose. So you're still healthy. I mean, you are in the epicenter, so we have to just make well, sure. I... <laughs> I mean, I spent last weekend on top of a mountain and then the next three days dealing with a sinus infection. That was that was loads of fun, but it, it was sinuses. It was not stand down. Take keep those fucking flamethrowers away from me. It was not Corona. But people have had Corona that don't didn't know they had Corona. And I mean, yeah, well, I mean, it's it's pneumonia. So I would know if it got into my lungs i first of all i'd be coughing right now and this clean feed thing we're using doesn't have a cough pedal so you know i'd be coughing right into the microphone and you'd be able to hear it well that would be nice that would be some extra all added live flavor listeners would be enjoying that content right this is that would be extra added flavor like hog story has the nature mic and i own hog story now if you've been listening no, to no, know each no, other no, no. Wor worry not the the pop filter on the microphone filters out all the extra flavor i'm adding well that's good and i mean everybody else is talking about coronavirus and uh what you should do and the fear and everything behind it and oh yeah i, I don't think we I, need to cover that but i am curious to discuss I, just yeah a little bit the coronavirus the effect that this is going to have upon civilization as we know it especially oh, we're, we're ending civilization as we know it voluntarily we're all the, dying the yeah yeah um i mean uh, 2009, the, the swine flu was the last, uh, overhyped epidemic pandemic, whatever. Um, and that one had 61 million infected people, 300,000 people were hospitalized and hundreds died. And, uh, you know, they didn't shut down the society for anything, but here, uh, our esteemed Washington state governor, Jay Inslee, whose name I have mentioned a couple times on this show, um, has decided to invoke his emergency powers to ban all gatherings of 250 people or more and has decided to close all public schools until April 24th. That is um, the oh. he, he does he does this under Washington state law that allows broad emergency powers whenever a state of emergency is declared and 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 who gives a shit about the virus this is the story is that that the fucking governor has the ability to just arbitrarily say yeah i'm declaring an emergency and therefore let's shut down all of society and all human interaction that seems a little overbroad never mind that it blatantly violates the first amendment to the united states constitution you know the one that says we all have the right to peaceably assemble well we have the right to assemble as long as the governor doesn't decide that you can't assemble what happens next time when it's a union gathering and he's like nope emergency you can't have this many people in one place fuck you stop protesting 
I don't know. Seems a little unconstitutional. It's it's a question I think of how much you believe of what's coming out of places like Italy, where they're saying the medical system was completely overwrought, and what they're trying to do here is. I think everybody realizes at this point that a vast majority of people are going to get this illness, and it's just yeah, a question that's of how the flu works. But it's it's the question of being able to treat everybody, and the concept is if we try to treat everybody all at once, we're going to have a lot more people die because we're going to be overrun. This yeah, concept yeah, of who, who, keep who people knew? from when, being in crowds, and they're trying to lower that bell curve, which you know I get, but it also seems. Uh, as my wife said yesterday, it all seems like a test for something else. So she's been listening to enough No Agenda, too. Well, we're we're reaping the rewards of a society where every single time that a kid scrapes their knee or feels a slight sniffle, they have to be rushed to the fucking hospital. Um, yes, you're going to overwhelm shit. It maybe if if we were back to and, and this is definitely the get off my lawn moment, maybe if we were back to the america from 50 years ago where people actually looked out for themselves instead of asking for daddy government to solve everything then maybe people who are like yeah i'm i i I don't feel good and i think i got this virus but i've got a healthy immune system which by the way is most people maybe they'll toughen the fuck up any of these millennials who are going to the goddamn emergency room saying i need to be tested for corona they need to you know, toughen the fuck up, go swim in some ice water or something. Well, that's it. The if you can treat the symptoms, if they're just at the severity of a flu, treat them at home. I saw an article this morning of a woman in your area, in the Seattle area, that was 39 years old, I believe, that said she was at a party and just thought she had the flu and then found out a bunch of other people at the party were also sick. So obviously the spreading part of this is uh, they're accurate. It's if you're exposed to people that have it. You're probably going to get it. But the interesting thing with her was not besides uh, she had the fever. She had chills. She said, she, you know, she was shaking from the chills, had a little bit of tingling, you know, and numbness in her extremities, which is a little bit weird for the flu. But she had none of the cough, had none of the trouble breathing. So this is not a one size fits all thing. There are tons of people no, that are not going to be tested that are going to have it. It's almost like humans are born with an immune system that is has been designed for just this kind of thing in mind. It is. and But everybody else is talking about that. I want to talk about what this kind of a thing can actually do to some of the stuff that we've talked about in the past, like the New World Order, open borders, and all of this, because I think the case is being made here that it, it's actually a pretty good case for trump's wall it is it is a <laughs> very mean, good are case using it that way the, the right is definitely spinning it that way anyway well then it makes sense because if you don't have the massive amount of travel if you don't have people moving all over the place something like this that just started in china at the beginning of january would not be overwhelming the united states in just a matter of weeks that just wouldn't happen and beyond that well globalism baby right well that's this is this is a case definitely against globalism because there's no doubt about it if you don't have that you slow down these kind of things when it comes to viruses it also shows you that if you're you have you know like the american medical system a lot of what we need comes from china as far as 
medical supplies and all of that. And you're going to start seeing what's going to happen when a pandemic, and this is not going to be the worst pandemic the humankind will ever see, this coronavirus. No, no. The worst pandemic the humankind will ever see is the one that's going to kill us all. That's the one that will actually wipe us out. But what you're going to see being dead before that happens. I hope so. But what you're going to see here is, you know, if you have the country, let's just take China, for instance, who maybe they probably produce most of the toilet paper and they're producing most of the masks and all of this other stuff. Well, do you really think they're going to be sharing all that with all the other countries when the real crap hits the fan? Well, I, I think that if government officials don't step in the way and start reducing freedoms and interfering with commerce, then then capitalists will definitely sell to the highest bidder and you end up with high prices because of all of the I I, I still honestly don't understand the the link with toilet paper and why that's a, <laughs> a hot commodity. But no, I, I don't mean, know. I mean, I can when, understand when there's a run on that. You're going to get price gouging and in in theory i mean first of all yes it's great and it makes some great sensational stories like somebody's charging 12 dollars a roll of toilet paper well then don't fucking buy it at that price problem solved a roll i saw a meme which was one piece of toilet paper in a baggie for like 250 you know this was the this is the new world order can you spare a square i i mean i did i did see one of those uh claw machines uh that was full of toilet paper rolls well and when it comes down to it i hate to tell everybody this but toilet paper is a relatively new invention. It's not a yeah, human necessity. Yeah, no. You know what is human necessity? Food and water. So why people are? Yeah. Ooh, I don't get it. You're, you're, you're be, because you know food can be delivered and and water, clean water is literally piped into our homes, which is also a relatively new and pretty awesome invention. Yes, that has the water. all kinds of problems. Yes, definitely with the water. So that is not a fear. Although I would like to have a little bit more in reserve just in case something did happen with the, yeah. uh, you know, like with the water sneezes system. or coughs on the water supply. Well, oh, and no, if, the whole city. Well, if the if the system breaks down that filters and sanitizes the water before it gets to those pipes that bring it to your house, then, yeah. But food would be the main thing. I mean, I can understand why people yeah. would want to be hoarding food because you're right. The interesting thing is with this concept that. Food can be delivered, so we're safe. Bullshit. They're saying this can live on cardboard for up to 24 hours. So if the pizza dude brings you a pizza, the cardboard that you're going to take from him and bring into your house could have coronavirus on it. You're infected. Boom. Yeah, probably. Because that's where I, this is. I don't know. For, for all I know, all the food in my freezer that I've been eating is probably got it. I, I Whatever. You this know what? Is, it, they, this is they're the telling people to. They're telling people to voluntarily self-isolate in your homes. And I mean, first of all, as as a an introvert computer guy, I feel like I've been preparing for this moment all my life. But I I, I mean, if if I get it, I get it. Uh, I'm not so old that I am really concerned or, or going to die. It'll probably be, you know, I'll be coughing into the microphone next week. Fine. Whatever. Now, would you take the $4,500 or whatever they're offering in the UK to be injected with coronavirus so they could study you? Yeah, that's a big negative. <laughs> no, thank you very much. But the the impact this is going to have. I would take the money to be injected with like a saline placebo if that's what if they're offering. Yeah, that would be good. But then I don't think that would be quite as effective in giving them information 
but I think this is going to change the, the yeah, world. The information would be maybe be a little tighter with your grant wallet. Yeah, and uh, I think this is going to make people start questioning the open borders concept. They're going to start questioning why things that they need for day to day living it's, it's, is not it's are not produced locally. It, it's it, it's a it's a pendulum. Uh, it swings back and forth when when everything is good and everything's working. You know, you extend your supply lines. You try to get things more cheaply, more efficiently. Uh, you go, okay, well, I we can make this locally, but it's cheaper to make overseas. Oh, by the way, why is it cheaper to make overseas and transport all the way? Uh, it usually has to do with government regulations, usually about shit like, uh, uh, oh, you have to pay minimum wage or you have to have this race restriction or you have to have these inspectors. But whatever the case is, um, it's cheaper to make overseas and ship here. And what the hell? Everything's working why would you do inefficiencies that's that's you know one thing that capitalism absolutely does well is it runs inefficiencies out of the system if if you are trying to force all of your products to be locally then then it uh, aside from you know a, a local made in usa marketing campaign which does work a lot of the time um it, usually you'll get run out by somebody who can produce it cheaper and ship it over here that works right up until some supply line is broken. And then the person who is creating it less efficiently, but local is the only one in town and they get to raise the prices and make all their money back. Yeah. Well, when it comes down to things that you need to save lives in the medical, uh, in the medical realm, I don't know how you rely on companies around the world, but it just shows you that maybe some of this stuff, should all be local it okay, makes well, sense the last thing i want to say about the coronavirus story because frankly i'm i'm sick of hearing it on every single podcast and i don't even listen to the mainstream news so um the last thing i'm going to give is some actual advice from an actual epidemiologist a, a real doctor who deals with this sort of thing this is the advice he gave is one don't panic two too late wash your hands Especially if you don't have toilet paper. Well, yeah, definitely. And wash your ass. God damn it. Yes. Um, Three, turn off the television because uh, the, the virus itself is not causing the panic. What's causing the panic is the mainstream jackholes who need to latch on to every sensational story that exists and blow it out of proportion for their news 24 hour news ratings turn that off it's rotting your brain it is turning you into an npc it is fucking you up way worse than any virus ever could yes turn it off and and if you're gonna if you're gonna have it on understand their numbers are wrong it's a fluid thing and understand when you see oh it's killing one <laughs> percent of the people that get it understand that a lot of people getting it were in pretty bad shape to begin with well, it might be killing 1% of the people who are both getting it and reporting that they are, but most of those people are just staying home and not telling anyone because why the hell would you? Right, because you think it's a flu. Yeah, or, or, or you think that, you know, I, oh, I ate some bad eggs or something. I don't know. But here's the other question. Now, oh, we were if told. You want, if you want somebody to give that same advice in a little bit less angry form, then... Go play the Dr. Drew clip that you had on Random Thoughts a couple weeks ago. It was really good.
he's absolutely right. I saw Dr. Oz the same thing. And I, as I mentioned, I mean, these aren't guys that I'm like, they're not the, the specialists in the field, but they are doctors. They understand what's going on. And I saw somebody the other day, my parents were just at the doctor yesterday, the cardiologist. And while they're taking precautions, it seems like the medical professionals are the ones least freaking out. So I'm going to take a, a little bit of uh, solace in that. It doesn't mean it can't yeah. get bad. Anything can happen. But yeah, take, just take your advice from the professionals who work in the area. If if a medical dude is not wearing a mask in his office with the waiting room, then chances are you're probably OK. Uh, by the same token, if you have a dude over at your house who's there to work on the gas lines and he starts sprinting away from your house at high speed, that's also a hint. <laughs> that's a hint that you might want to try to keep up with them. But this or, pandemic uh, as, as what of. One of Murphy's military laws is that uh, a uh, every rank, uh, you know, lieutenant, general, colonel, whatever, every rank is outranked by a cor uh, corporal explosives technician at a dead sprint. <laughs> you all, you're all going to take a cue from that dude. Yeah. You, you go with what the experts say. Now, the interesting thing with this pandemic is it's testing some theories people had in regards to Bitcoin and regard. Uh, in regard to gold and precious metals, because oddly enough, those are both tanking with the stock market. And what we've always oh, heard it, was if though if the, the stock market crashes, effects, Bitcoin's going to go up, right? Gold's going to go up. The societal effects of this panic are fascinating. I mean, there's there's some amazing data being generated that I hope gets analyzed about you know how society can break down, and maybe we can hopefully think about fixing it if if a real emergency comes up. That would be helpful. And I mean, I talked to a, a guy that does the, the financial stuff is for, for a living. And this was before the second big downward turn that it had taken over the last week and a half, two weeks or so. And, you know, he's like, don't, you know, like everybody else, don't panic. It's, you know, it's going down, but it will come back up. It's always come back up. And until it doesn't, I mean, then that seems like good advice until the, uh, until the, the, the end finally happens for the stock market, and I don't see that coming anytime soon. But you're absolutely right that he talked about the people that are having the white knuckle reaction, and we're getting that regardless of where people have put their money, where their value is stored. It doesn't matter whether it's in stocks. It doesn't matter whether it was in Bitcoin. It doesn't matter whether it was in gold. What you're seeing is people are thinking at this point, that they have to be cashing in and be liquid. And some people, maybe you do, because there's also something to be said. There's a lot of people, if you don't have any cash reserves, then if something horrible goes on, and you've talked about it just with the the cashless society concept that when all the computers go down and, uh, you know, how are you going to buy your toilet paper? It's, yeah. uh, it, you need cash. <laughs> you know, you need something. I mean, nobody nobody knows how to buy toilet paper anyway. How many people actually understand the concept of walking into a building picking up something off the shelf and then going over and handing over some pieces of paper for it 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 boggles the mind it is and again i will never understand why people are hoarding toilet paper but not food because if you don't hoard food you're not going to need the toilet paper it's a very simple reason why you need the toilet paper and it comes from having food yeah it's it's called metabolism but i'm not here to give a, a medical description you're not a medical doctor i think we should make that clear right up front yeah it turns out no i'm i'm a ranty podcaster 
uh, who looks at things and doesn't believe them uh, at first glance, which actually puts me ahead of almost everybody in this society because propaganda is a thing and it works and you're probably being influenced by it. I am too, but I'm angry about everything and that that lends a, a certain amount of disbelief when somebody you know somebody comes up and tells me this guy is falling that i well with this, i mean at first i mean i feel it too and i mean i understand i think better than most what's going on i've, I've had the inoculations from the no agenda show i've you know watched enough of the the media people that are telling you this is all being overblown but when you see enough of this coverage there is something that starts happening in your psyche that goes am i wrong I mean, I'm seeing the numbers and they don't make sense, but all these people no, keep I've saying never had that problem. And then when you see MLB canceling games, NHL canceling games, NBA canceling games, NASCAR, they're going to race, but no fans. It's like, okay, is this, uh, I, is there I, you more know what? If, if they want to, if they want to cancel games and, and completely destroy whatever credibility they have left. And again, another, another fascinating social experiment that I look forward to. Well, with this, I mean, they're talking about this, that uh, it is touching surfaces. So I'm wondering why gloves, why latex gloves aren't like at the top of the list instead of toilet paper, because I think that might be a legitimate thing. If you're going to go out grocery shopping and stuff like that, and you're going to be touching things, those might actually be helpful. Wear latex gloves. And then it's a great reminder. Don't touch your face. But nobody's hoarding on latex gloves. But they're saying with this coronavirus, it only lasts in the air on you know the, the droplets of humidity coming out when you sneeze, when you cough, the water droplets, and that uh, only and, stays and the in the air. cover that shit. They say it stays in the air for like three to six feet. So as long as you're more than six feet away from somebody, it seems like the chances of you getting this through the air, very, very low. I, I, I agree in general with the, you know, you don't need to touch each other rule because that is a good way to uh, transmit the virus. But you do have my permission. The one place where it's okay to touch somebody is anybody who coughs out into the air instead of their sleeve and sprays droplets six feet. You wait for the droplets to all settle and then you reach over and slap that motherfucker and tell him to cough into their damn sleeve. That's not cool. There's no reason for that. Helpful health tips from grumpy old bands as provided by Sir Ryan Bemrose. So anyways, uh, so what do you, what so do you, how about that? How I'm about just, that op open silver light? Open silver light? No. What is open silver light? <laughs> I haven't either. And I don't, I, I, I don't have much of a story. I was just absolutely fascinated. Do you remember what silver light was? Uh, uh, yes, it's a browser uh, plug-in kind of similar to flash, right? Yeah, like the video it, it thing was it, it, well uh microsoft in their uh infinite not invented here syndrome that uh pretty much the first 40 years of microsoft was them reinventing technologies that somebody else invented because they wanted to own it embrace and extend they they really so flash was becoming popular on the web and microsoft was like we need one of those but we need one that we control so they invented silverlight and decided to compete and it never competed. Uh, it was, but it was yet another plugin that everybody had to download. So you you had your browser, and then in order to make your browser work with all the new whiz bang websites, you had to have your browser 
download Flash Player and download the Real Player and download Silverlight Player. Right, and Silverlight for a like, while was used on Netflix, right? Yes, actually, Netflix did use Silverlight for a long time um, until they got their HTML5 player. And Silverlight was killed. Just you know, Flash was killed. it's arguable that flash was killed by steve jobs who was like i'm not putting it on ios no fuck that which frankly was a pretty good idea because it was a buggy mess and the only thing worse than the flash player itself was the websites created using it but um both of those technologies and all the browser plugin technologies were pretty much killed when browsers stopped you know uh, ios if for a long time it was not possible to put one of these plugins in which was a big thing and then html5 came out and we had the ability to create all of the stuff that you wanted to do in flash and all the stuff you wanted to do in silverlight so it anyways silverlight died and uh we're okay with that i think it, it was it was a fascinating technology oh the the other place where silverlight actually made a big inroad was that uh it was the underlying uh native coding model for windows phone really yeah yeah uh and, and, you know I, ios uses actually i have no idea what ios uses uh objective c maybe um and android it's all jvm all java all the time um windows phone the coding model was silverlight and you know, first of all silverlight I actually the technologically speaking I thought it was it was a lot better than Java or Flash probably because it used C sharp which is a, a far better language to work in than JavaScript or Java but never popular and a big part of that is that Microsoft does not release their death grip on control over everything about the technology and when you have exactly one entity that a lot of people don't trust in control then nobody's going to adopt the platform the platform will die Anyways, the whole reason I brought this up was that there is now a group of uh, open source that is creating a project called Open Silver <laughs> that intends to bring Silverlight back to the web using HTML5 and uh, a stack, uh, the WebAssembly, which is a, a JavaScript library that lets you, you know, create binary code for the web. And then in WebAssembly, there's something called Blazor that is uh, a C-sharp layer for JavaScript for the web. And I, the, I, I only bring this up because I went down this technology rabbit hole and the, the hoops running through in order to create a 2007 programming model in modern JavaScript was amazing. For a project that I don't think anybody has ever asked for. Yeah, well, it doesn't seem very useful. <laughs> I mean, that's the uh, it, with the HTML5 is much more uh, robust, much easier to work with for doing things like streaming audio, streaming video. So wh what is the point of this? Or is there really no point? What What is the problem? I mean, all of these open source I think that's, projects that's always give you a reason what they're, why they're doing this. What are they saying the reason is? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I couldn't find it. <laughs> it was it's it's they want to run Silverlight apps. I maybe that's all you need. I uh, maybe there was those those killer apps that only ran on Windows Phone 
that you're like, I really have got to have this running in the browser. I'm not sure. It's if, like if somebody flash. out there who is on the open silver project and happens to be listening to grumpy old Ben's, please send us a note because I, I don't even know why I brought this up other than it is absolutely fascinating. The technology that is being used to bring back this technology from the dead. And the only, I mean, I, I, like I said, I went down this and as a programmer, I was, I was really interested in like, Oh wow. It's really cool how they hooked that. Up. It's kind of cool how they got that working. And I, I, wow, how'd they get that past that problem? And the only thing I'm missing is, but why? Right. Why is it just because <laughs> let's see if we can do it. Um, and maybe that's it, which is fine. It could have just been a, uh, let's see if we can do this. And, and maybe we, that is, and, and it makes sense. Uh, is our buddy net Ned in the sir net Ned says in the chat slash troll room available at no agenda stream.com. When we do these shows live at 11 a.m. Central every Friday, a lot of sites still use flash and I could see yeah, why and they people, need to not right. They need to not, but I could see why people would want to keep a flash player going because there were thousands of games created in flash that people like to waste time playing it. See, I would kind yeah. of get that, but with Silverlight, I don't really know. I've never run into anything like that. At least that I know of, maybe it was worth things running in Silverlight that I didn't realize, but uh, they're very similar. I, I still have a couple of, I still have a couple of SWF games, the uh, flash games on my hard drive that, you know, I'm like every once in a while, I kind of want to go back and do it. Uh, here, here's a great trick that doesn't open you up to all of the ravages of the web. And that is go download the flash SDK. It comes with a standalone executable, which is just a, a, a flash sandbox player. You set that shit up in, in your permissions where it has no internet access. And then you could launch all those downloaded as shockwave flash SWF files as much as you want and play them. And you're pretty safe you can have fun and not worry that the internet's going to come do bad things to you that's a plus yeah. with <laughs> uh cold acid nailed it but that's that's all i care about you yeah know, is the the porn porno flash games from 2003 yeah good. that would be it uh-huh good times good times <laughs> good but times with that said that segues nicely i sent you a link on this a few days ago because i am so tired of this kind of stuff and so tired of companies being able to raise oh. money on this type of stuff. This isn't it a bit early for social justice. It kind of is, but this is, uh, this is a little bit more than just social justice and the spelling of the company of this product just annoys me oh, too. Oh, it's very, very pretentious Silicon Valley. Yes. Yes. Light L one GHT looks to protect internet users from toxic and predatory behavior this is nothing you want to talk about silverlight being resurrected from the dead how is this different than trying to resurrect all of these you know internet nannies from 10 years ago and just the concept again like with socialism well nobody's just done it well enough so we're gonna put this into place again and oh because we have to it, it well i i have another topic about this later i promised i teased the ethical source report um last week which i'll get to as soon as you finish this but yeah uh it, it is bringing social justice into the online sphere well and they're giving i think parents a very false sense of security if you look at the uh their 
mission statement here, unlike the silver light people who don't really have one, theirs is preventing online toxicity, protecting children, online predators, online <laughs> shaming. Won't somebody hate please speech. think of the children. Yes, we must think of the children. And this again is being sold obviously to parents and um they the firm has raised 15 million in seed funding so i mean maybe we need to start something like this and uh that that's even more than alex jones raises in seed funding i don't get it and it's you know again the spread of online toxicity and they're wow, talking joke fell flat and the uh well you can't expect all your jokes to really hit there I, I really can you can well you can expect it but uh you may be disappointed my favorite was just the way they use uh, stats in this article on uh, the hacker news and somebody needs to teach them maybe how to write a little bit better but it says many internet users spread hate speech and exhibit abusive behavior to harm other users more yes, than half welcome to the internet that's yes. what the internet is for well welcome to real life too yeah humans are shitty to each other hot take newsflash that's why i found it funny that the stats is like it says more than half or 59 percent well you could just say 59 percent of teens you don't have to say more than half or 59 but let's forget the way they weirdness they wrote it 59 percent of teens in the u.s have experienced cyber bullying or online harassment i'm surprised it's not a hundred I don't believe it's not. I, I'm, I'm guessing the other 41% either are not, not self-reporting this sort of thing because they're probably too afraid in their rooms, you know, wondering whether or not they have coronavirus. Victims. They're, yeah. They've <laughs> just never been online. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe the never been online thing, which is what I would really suggest. But it says victims of cyberbullying, forms of behavior such as name-calling, Spreading false rumors and physical threats can suffer from negative psychological effects. I still just want to know. Uh, You you know what else uh, can give you some negative psychological effects? It's called life. Yeah. I really want to know why parents still give kids access to the Internet. What what, what age? Because the sum because the sum total of all human knowledge is at your fingertips. The Internet is not universally negative. But does a 10-year-old need access to the internet? Well, I, I want, a, if, if I have a hypothetical 10-year-old, uh, I want them to have access to any resource available in order to learn, to experience the world, to become a better project. You're not helping kids by you know, shutting them in, locking them in a cage and only coming <laughs> to feed them once a day. But do you want them to um, have unfettered access without you knowing what they're doing on the internet? I, if if I trust their judgment, then I think that's perfectly reasonable. It, well, there is. What am again, I saying? If that's, there becomes that, a question of when the individual is at a mental capacity and in a mental zone, whatever you want to call it, to be able to handle the internet, and I will agree that will change. Which, a- Not everybody's the same. Age doesn't inform that all that much. There's 25 year olds who do not have the mental capacity to be able to handle the internet. They do shit like start companies that that purport to make the internet safe. Right. And another one of the favorite things that they had in this article: more than one in ten, or eleven percent. Just say eleven oh percent. Oh God. I mean, who is yeah, teaching okay. these people to write? But nobody. 
11 percent of teens have experienced unwanted online solicitations again nope. surprised that should be if i if i may channel my inner dvorak uh you know uh, they, these people aren't taking basic english anymore it's all gender studies he's probably right this <laughs> this concept what this doesn't go along with and what this doesn't work in the same uh in the same vein is saying 11 percent of teens have experienced unwanted online solicitations i saw the other day a promo for a video which again i think this little documentary was complete and utter bullshit and i under don't get me wrong i understand there are perverts and predators online i get it but there was this video and of course it had all that usual spooky music going on and how they're talking about you know how teens are the internet is such a dangerous place and to a certain extent it is but they made a fake profile on instagram and they're like well we didn't want to use a real 12 year old so they took a one of the moms and they photoshopped her to make her look younger and they put up a instagram profile as this fake 12 year old and they're like and now we sit back and wait and then you see this big timer come on and this other woman sitting there with her phone with the timer going up and within like just a matter of minutes adult men were allegedly had found the profile and were sending messages and were sending dick pics literally within minutes but now this company says only 11 percent of teens have experienced any unwanted online solicitation so which is it because if it's only 11 percent and you put up a random instagram profile and got hits within a matter of minutes those two things don't go together so somebody i really lying. think this I, I think this situation is actually quite similar to what we were talking about earlier with the the coronavirus which is given how expansive the definitions of cyberbullying are and how broad the criteria are for experiencing something bad online it it's kind of like you know how many laws have you broken so far today i'm probably on 15 or so and i only know about four of them <laughs> oh which uh, of those four just it, just out of curiosity i i plead the fifth okay but it it is there are so many things basically every single interaction that you can possibly have online can be construed under these overly broad definitions as this was harassing you know oh somebody you know somebody disagreed with me online harassment somebody posted an emoji that wasn't exactly the same mood i was feeling harassment i mean so by these definitions everybody is being harassed 24 7 and just like with the virus if you if if you're a responsible person and you get the sniffles and you just stay home for a few days and take some nyquil and then get over it there's no need to report to the government that you got this there's no need to check into a hospital and if if somebody says something online and the you know you say you know hi uh, you know you say hello and they're like faggot and you just get over it then why would you report this so saying you know over one in 10 or 11 percent which right. by the way yeah this is this is terrible fucking writing but, isn't it um 
Eleven percent, according to what? Who's reporting? Who's who is gathering these this information? I guarantee they're not collecting all of the information because I I assure you, you know, every single time that some jackhole on Reddit is like, you know, the the all the world's problems would be solved if we just had socialism. I'd be like, I'm harassed. I'm feeling a little triggered by that, but I'm not telling anyone about. Well, okay, I'm telling people on the podcast, but I it, it's. That's get just content. It. Yeah, get over it. And I would like to see these some a study like this done from people that aren't trying to sell software like this. It's not hard now I'm that you're harassing you can, the shit out of Fletcher right now. Well, you should harass Fletcher. He is he was once the uh, host of Hog Story at Hogstory.net. He no, uh, he's pod, still the host. He just doesn't own Hog Story. That's true. By Podfather decree, I own Hog Story. Uh, so we have to talk about uh, where that show is going to be going in the near future. There will be changes. There'll be no doubt about it. But well, I I can tell you that you you need to call in more often because people like Cold Acid and Dan Bemrose call in every show, and you need to step up your game. I have heard that. I need to call into Hug Story more. I I don't want to uh, either confirm or deny that. But somebody that doesn't have a uh, skin in the game here, we all have seen the technology over the last couple of years with Photoshop. These programs that will create realistic looking human figures that aren't real it would be easy to put up a hundred different profiles of peep kids of different ages and see what comes in and i would be curious to see i don't believe it's anywhere near as bad as the the documentary who's trying to make money of course by pushing whatever they're pushing but won't somebody please think of the virtual fake children yeah yeah. well yes because virtual fake children are children too so they obviously have to have rights and the other thing that annoys me in this Hacker News article is, you know, under the heading then, using AR, AI to fight harmful content, it says, fortunately, solutions such as light look to beef up content filtering and moderation measures. What do you mean, fortunately? And this this really does just sound like an ad for uh, the company, and maybe it is. Maybe this was well, a paid. Of course paid, it is. It was paid because uh, saying that. AI to flag abusive behavior. Its integration with different platforms can help moderators, owners, developers, and publishers stamp out bad behavior by removing fact, you, harmful you, you content. Me, you you linked to me this story from the Hacker News, and the I I think the very first thing I said to you is native ad. It, it does appear <laughs> to be one, which you know yeah. a lot of them don't <laughs> exist on this site, so I'm not sure. I wouldn't normally run right to that, but. This seems very well, questionable. The, there, it's a fine line between native ad and uh, a fawning fanboy piece. Which is also true. And I would like to know, again, you're claiming a safer internet for kids. But how are you really? I mean, the, the interesting thing was they talk about things like misspelling words and how their system is smart enough to, you know, to understand that you can spell, you know, uh, rape with you know the little ampersand is the a or something like that so it's trying to you know figure out all these misspellings that people use it's like if that's all your software can do you're kind of screwed i don't understand how they're going to get between an online predator and your child if you have one and you let them have a phone or any device that gets on the internet and they have an instagram account or a facebook account or a vsco whatever is the popular tiktok site of the day whatever app they're on how they think they're going to get in between your child in the outside world 
it's never going to happen. Will there be some filters? Sure. Will it catch something? Maybe. Should you really feel safer that your kids are being protected? No, never. The, the inherent problem with trying to police communication, and, and that's what this is. This, this is. this is a tool for policing communication because despite it never having worked in all of human history, there are still a lot of people out there with authoritarian mindsets who seem to believe that if you control what people say, that you can somehow control what people think. And all you really do is send that speech underground. And, and here is the inherent problem with any kind of policing of communication. And that is language evolves. And normally language evolves slowly. I, I believe I, I ranted about this before when people are like, yeah, the it, dropping the T, that's just language evolves. Get with the times. Like, no, it, it doesn't. No, you're just communicating badly. But in the case where you are, well, why is it that we don't just treat every single cold cough or infection with uh, broad spectrum antibiotics all the time? Because you'll do more harm than good. Because yes, because viruses evolve. Because if you kill ninety nine point seven percent or whatever the marketing thing is of all bacteria, then you have you know the bacteria are uh, like many things they they just expand and expand and expand until they're out of food and then they die off. It's it's a natural cycle. And if you go in and you kill every single one of the bacteria that isn't resistant to your whatever you're using, then by, you know, obviously by some sheer random chance, there will be a few remaining that are resistant and your shit doesn't work. And then the next time you try to do it, you know, the bacteria colony will grow back and you want to use it again, but they all grew back from that small percentage that were resistant. And now that's the whole population and your antibiotic doesn't work. That's why that's why it's, I mean, you want to know a, a real true health scare. It is the fact that every fucking product in the world from dish soap to porno lube is marketed as antibacterial or something. And what they're doing is they are flooding the world with this stuff that kills 99.7% of bacteria and you are forcing the bacteria to evolve to you know the the bacterial colony now consists only of stuff that is resistant to all the antibiotics we have and this is why one of the most dangerous places you could possibly be with a compromised immune system is a hospital because that's where superbugs who are resistant to everything can be found well the same thing happens with online language hate speech whatever it is I just realized how tortured this metaphor is, but I'm charging forward. <laughs> um, when you take an idea, which, you know, some will say an idea is like a virus and, and there's a lot of similarities. They spread the same between from person to person. If you decide that you don't like an idea and you use some kind of restrictions or communicate or something to stamp down 99.7% of all expression of that idea then 
you know, or, or you, you know, or, or let's just be full, go full genocidal and say you've killed 99.7% of the people who use the idea. I mean, it, our, our government's not that far off anyway. Uh, it, once you do that, then the remaining bits of that will find a new way to express themselves. And, and it's exactly right. If, if you can't use the word rape, then people will say R ampersand PE. I mean, it's kind of like if if you can't copyright the term light then you put a one in it and suddenly you know hey it's trademarkable now that's it's not a new concept people understand how to do that uh back in the 90s we had online bulletin boards that were trying to keep people from using swear words so they would they they would you know bless beep out put replace the word ass with asterisks which was all kinds of fun when you had words like assume right or 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 classified or yeah and i ran bulletin boards then and i remember you know back in the early days they had that ability and creating the perfect filters if you wanted to do that kind of stuff you had to you had to make sure that just ass was never thinking you know know, asshole well then that you could censor but yeah uh, because if if you you know if you ban fuck people will say shit Right. If you ban fuck and shit and you ban all like you come up with a complete list of words to ban, people will make up new words. If if you ban particular spellings, people will use alternate spellings. This is the evolution of language. This is also uh, people are creative. It, it is one of the characteristics of humanity. Uh, and when the enforcement will not stop people and, you know, trying to enforce it by AI, what you're really doing is saying, OK, well, we. We have ourselves a block list and a long series of if statements that say, if they said this, then block this. If they said this, then flag this. Well, this is also another case for it, the one world and open borders, because English is a language that exists in many different forms. If you say, hey, get me a fag in the United States means something totally different than saying, get me a fag in the UK. So no, no, no kink shaming. <laughs> I'm not kink shaming. I'm just saying those two statements are completely different meanings both english yeah but some some people are turned on by a cigarette well you don't may judge be. i don't know that is the problem when it comes to these kinds of filtering because language is different in different parts of the world so things that are offensive in the united states may not be in the uk or the other way around we talked about it in one episode the oakland a's when they had a player that was in Australia and they put something in the Australian papers about uh, root, you know, rooted in Oakland for however many years. Well, rooting in the uh, Australia basically is fucking in the United States. So the Oakland A's put an ad that said fucking in Oakland since whatever, but because rooting or rooted in Oakland means something totally different in the U S than it would in Australia. Same language. Again. I'm not going to lie that I'm not going to lie. That marketing campaign might work on me. You might finally be like baseball. Oh wait, I can, I can, I can finally get behind this. Yeah. If we, if, 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 yeah, massive amounts of sex. I, I, and, I mean, uh, I mean, it depends on who they have. I, I, I'm not really into the players, although I know that marketing campaign would probably work on some of the women out there because uh, I, I have been informed that uh, at least one female friend of mine who only once, only ever went with me to a baseball game because, and I quote, the players are hot. <laughs> but see now if you were to say that about women playing volleyball or whatever then you would be a sexist pig well i mean that really I, be, I am yeah, yeah i was gonna say i guess that there's 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 more evidence be, for that because case. i will 
And you will, and you Be- because, will be. Because whether or not I actually hold the views, I absolutely support everyone's right to say it. And if nobody around me is willing to say something because uh they're too scared then i don't want the precedent to be set that that we should all censor our communication so i'll probably just blurt it out anyway i am that kind of friend you guys should all get to know me you can you can just email ryan at ryan at grumpyoldbens.com but you're also right when you say this language changes so fast it's interesting throughout the first few weeks of this the coronavirus pandemic cnn was more than happy to call it a Wuhan flu or a Chinese flu. Now CNN's claiming it's racist to call it a Wuhan or Chinese flu. So I'm still disappointed that my recommendation of calling it the Wu-Tang flu has not caught on. I think Wu-Tang was against that. I mean, unless they thought that was badass, I don't know. Yeah, but who gives a fuck about them? They haven't been relevant in 30 years. (laughs) Well, maybe, perhaps. I don't follow the clan. But that just shows you how quickly thoughts on terminology can change so i i don't believe light or anybody that's trying to protect your kids can do it i don't believe anybody can keep up i don't believe giving parents false hope that this is going to protect your kids especially from things like online predators especially things you know there's the the suicide rate for kids is way up and i think the internet has a uh, at least a, a little bit of the reason for that and parents need to be more concerned with what their kids are doing they need to be more interactive with it it's it's weird the way the society has changed with technology because i like old things uh we've been watching a lot of the old sitcoms from bewitched i dream of genie now i've been watching leave it to beaver and it's really interesting to see the family unit from that perspective from 50 60 years ago where the family has dinner together, there's no phones, there's no devices going on. The kids actually tell the parents what was going on at school and what's going on with their friends. I don't think we have that going that on. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's well, I mean, a- people do tell their friends everything that goes on because at the dinner, they have their phones out and they're staring at the phones and they're posting to Insta uh, pictures of their food along with what they feel and every single one of their friends is sitting at the at their own dinner table and i mean I, it, people are still being social just not with anyone that they're around yes yes to answer net ned in the uh, troll room i have been hitting the beaver pretty hard i, I think I, I think that's probably um, a, a double virtual meeting. high five <laughs> hey cool we appreciate that ned ned uh, net ned i mean I, I when i grew up we we had the same thing where you know my uh, my I, I had the the perfect insular family where I had, you know, my mom and my brother and I would sit around the dinner table and eat dinner together. And my dad was sitting in the other room watching Fox News with the plate on his lap, but screaming uh, at the TV. Well, yeah, kind of. Let's just say that I'm not the first generation of Bemrose who has been uh, highly political. <laughs> so it's genetically uh, it, it comes down. You, you have this in your genes. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing sweatpants right now. Well, at least you're wearing pants. This is actually a plus for the grumpy old Ben's audience. It's, We're glad you actually put cold. pants on today. Thank you. We appreciate I, that. I'm also, I'm also wearing a cat, but you don't need to know that. There's always a reason so, why we don't do video. So my my census invitation arrived in the mail. Ooh, yay! Uh, it uh, it it 
I, I was surprised it was actually, um, it's an online census this year. Uh, what I got in the mail was a sheet of paper telling me how important it is important. Uh, actually, no, I think the T was on the paper, but, uh, how important it is to fill out the census and how necessary it is for the functioning of our society and government as, as if that happens. Um, and then saying, and, uh, you need to go to, I think it was like census 2020.gov or something like that. And here is your unique code. You know, so enter this code. And so the census is, is go it a to good a code website or could you, is it something that people could just guess and randomly fill out census forms? Uh, it, it appears to be 12 alphanumeric digits, um, although they were all caps. So I'm guessing uh, 12 digits of probably 32 bits or uh, 32 possibilities each. So 12 digits of five bits, um, 60 bits. I mean, it's enough to to make a unique code for everyone in America. but. Um, I, I imagine that entering a random code probably, I mean, that somebody can reverse engineer this and, and come up with a code that would work for someone else. So that way we could totally screw the census. Just saying. Yeah. I, I mean, I, if somebody wants to do this, then I will uh, not officially encourage it because I think that's illegal. <laughs> um, and, and we've never advocated anything illegal here on grumpy old Ben's. Never. I don't know. It doesn't happen. Not intentional. I mean, not even not even piracy no we would say but, don't don't never pirate anything it is bad uh but if you're it, going to yeah. be safe so uh, i uh, you you stole my thunder a little bit because yes i totally look forward to the moment when somebody out there hacks this website and prints and releases a database of every single respondent uh when somebody puts up their own form that allows you to you know enter census data for somebody else i i cannot imagine that this is you know because it's a government site i just right. assume that it's probably not secure but well I, more so than i want to see how this plays out i want to know if they kept a record of what code they sent you and what code they sent your neighbor and if that's in a database you can then match oh this. i'm certain of that yeah that's not I, good I, I am certain because because the only two interesting you know identifying pieces of information on there was it said to the resident at and my address so obviously you know they they sent they printed it specifically with my address on the page which means that they probably did that for most people so so the address is almost certainly linked already in the database to that code and then it had the code on it but everything else was was form they saying the census is really important you know it's it said fun things like uh you know the census data is used to increase you know to improve your representation in your local and national government i'm like i have no fucking representation in my local government it's all democrats all the way down every fucking one of them is trying to destroy my second amendment right and increase government power and increase my taxes and none of this represents me i don't want more representation in fact again uh you know technically uh you are it says says so on the very front of the thing that you are legally required to respond to this census but if for some reason yours comes in and you happen to be in a state where you are the minority party and you're not getting any state representation why would you ever want to give them more chances of more congressional seats like in washington if my census page just didn't come in at all and suddenly they couldn't count then 
then the population of Washington state would be underreported. And in the most extreme cases, that might be enough to tip it over so that Washington got one less Democrat congressional delegate. And wouldn't that be a fucking shame? Well, you're right. And that kind of is the the same concept for the Electoral College on a nationwide basis, which is to try to make sure you have a voice. But in areas like this, we've talked about this in the Chirac area in Illinois. Oh, Illinois. Exactly the same thing. You you at this point, you don't want them to have more representatives in the House because they're not voting for what you believe. So the census, I mean, it, it should be it should give you a. A proper vote. I mean, this shouldn't just be state by state. This should be uh, this should be done in a completely different way because this is a an antiquated system that when you live in areas that are overrun with one political party, the minority. You're right. You don't want to be counted. It's the same reason why when you go back to the three fifths clause with the uh, slaves being counted as three fifths of a person. And people still bitch about that like it was a bad thing who don't understand that well the slaves didn't get to I, vote at that time. But basically I, it's I, a similar I had, concept. I had somebody I had somebody only four days ago tell me to my face that yes, the Civil War was about slavery and nothing else. And so revisionist history is is definitely ripe and and in the in the air. It is. And only the survivors get to tell the story. So keep yourself stay safe from coronavirus so you can tell the story whichever way you want to uh, and and i do <laughs> you had another rant that you had notes on i i have lots of rants that i have notes on um <laughs> this is why we do I, the show I, I did promise a report on ethical source yes um, this was this was something brought to the show last week by cold acid uh and uh, possibly other producers who's who I forget about because although I absolutely value your donations, you're not really memorable enough to me for me to remember everything. Am I? Oh shit. I'm supposed to say that off the air. I'm sorry. Yeah. We'll we'll cut that out of the show. Don't worry. Okay, good. (laughs) So, um, the, the site is ethical source.dev and, um, I need to, I need to read the definition to you that that might be the right way to do it. Uh, this is, this is a movement which is being pushed amongst open source communities it, it, as a, it is, it's not a license per se. It is a definition of, uh, a, a, a label that can be applied to an open source license and open source licenses are, you're familiar with that where every piece of software is released with a license because, you know, thanks to copyright being more than five years uh you you have to right you um, tell people what they can and can't do with your stuff yeah a lot of the licenses are uh things like uh you know there might be a gpl or there might be bsd each one of them basically says when when you use this software or in order to use this software here are the terms that it's being released as and and with open source licenses this is this is big business this is uh, people argue more about licenses in open source than they ever do about the content of code or whether or not it's even worth releasing. <clears throat> but a okay, so software is considered ethical open source when it meets all of these criteria. Uh, it benefits the commons. Um, it must let's see must not prohibit modification, derivative works, linking or compiling with other software unless under a coffee lift provision. 
uh, in the general spirit of open source distribution. Okay. We're, we're already in the very first one. We are talking about the spirit of something that's not really good in a document that purports to be a legal definition, but okay. Um, it, it, I mean, I'm, I'm with you so far that, that people should be able to use it. Great. Uh, it is created in the open. The source must be publicly available. Um, uh, in maintained in public view and welcoming of public contributions. Okay. That word welcoming is a little triggering, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's open source. Got right. it. We're fine. People uh, can add can, to the project. Yeah. Here's, here's where, here's where shit starts to, to trigger my, my bullshit detector. It's community is welcoming and just the software Ooh. projects, community of maintainers and contributors must be governed by a comprehensive code of conduct that is consistently and fairly enforced. You've heard my opinion about code of conduct in software. And also, more importantly, uh, I, I just got done telling you that the license of a piece of software is the conditions under it is the agreement between the people, we, the people writing the software and you, the people using the software. Where does a code of conduct come into that at all? The, the code of conduct is it. it covers how something is developed right how this is created the, the conditions by which it can be distributed or used we're we're already going completely off message here you are and i'm um, curious with this open source stuff because i am not a coder when there's an open source project and i know they're you know up on github or wherever the these uh the repositories are if you want to come in and add something whether it's a bug fix or you want to add a feature to that software I'm assuming then you submit it and there's just a small group of people in charge who then decide whether or not yeah. they want they're, to add They're that. called the maintainers usually. Okay. Yeah. So what yeah. this, this thing is basically saying is that those maintainers, th- it's the, they should let everybody able to do whatever they want. Is that what this code of conduct? I mean, what is welcoming no, no. and just mean? Uh, when it, it, no, it, it is. Uh, in this case, the, the welcoming and just clause says that you have you're you know you cannot have ethical source you cannot even release under an ethical source license unless your project the development part of the project which the users of your software are not supposed to need to know anything about um the development side of your project has to have a code of conduct and the code of conduct is uh the the document which transitions your project from a meritocracy where the best code comes in to a project where uh, we don't care the quality of your code as long as we think you're a good person. It, that's that's really what the code of conduct sort of thing does. And it's it's a very intersectional social justice idea where we we don't care who you are or what you do as an individual. It is important. Uh, it, it is important not what you do or what you say or what you contribute. It is important who you are and which minority group you come from and uh, whether or not you fill out the check boxes for people whose stereotype groups we like. And that is what a code of conduct does is it says that we don't focus anymore on the code that you bring. We focus on your behavior, uh, whether or not you are, you know, most software codes of conduct, in fairness, don't really focus on are you a minority or or a part of a, a an oppressed group, um, but they do focus on things like uh, are you rude to other people? 
Um, and this, this, by the way, what, what ultimately brought this to attention was Eric S. Raymond, who was one of the founders of the Open Source Institute and uh, a really, really big hacker from way back, like early 80s. He had, uh, he had a lot of chops. He, he's always been an opinionated jerk, but he was an opinionated jerk who is, oh, well, he's staunchly libertarian, which is something that we cannot abide in today's society. Uh, but he very much values freedom and meritocracy and may the best code win. And that is how he founded the Open Source Institute. Um, by the way, I've met him, was abrasive as fuck, and I liked him immediately. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you do. Are, was, uh, he may be your spirit animal. Yeah, yeah it, it was. Yeah, I was at a con and I got to shake his hand and give him some coronavirus. It was great. Uh, but he got booted out of the open source institute or or off of the border I'm, I'm not sure what he there was that he basically he he got ejected because he said something rude and uh, uh rudeness is apparently no longer allowed in these open source communities and if you are if you are a user if you are an organization if you are an it worker and you are looking for what is the best project to solve my particular problem project or you know, i i have a problem and i need some software to solve it and i need the best software out there uh this is by no means prescriptive but it is definitely a useful word of advice and that is if you go peruse the source code and you find a file in the root of the source code that called code of conduct what that usually means is that the people who are writing the code have chosen uh, mere, often merely by adopting a code of conduct in one way, shape or form to start paying very close attention to the characteristics of the individuals submitting the code and using that as a criteria for deciding what code to accept. And the, what what this means is that they have moved away from a pure meritocracy where the the way that code was originally supposed the 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 way that Eric Raymond originally envisioned was if two bits of code come in to purporting to solve the same bug then you look at them and you take whichever code is better and the only reason why the person who submitted the code is important is because you need to give credit for the purpose of of getting somebody's name in the list of contributors but otherwise you know and, and uh, once you have a code of conduct then when two people submit uh bug fixes for the same bug then uh, in in extreme cases you don't bother to look at the code anymore you don't try to look at whether or not it fixes the bug correctly instead what you look at is you start perusing the contributor whoever submitted it you start perusing their social media you start looking at their twitter account you start looking at things that they say on mailing lists and forums and and on it, it any anywhere on the internet and you try to decide if they are a, a good adherent to uh, political correctness and social justice and and it only if the person is good and and says the right things and doesn't offend anyone that is the only way that you can accept their software and now the decision has been taken away as to whether or not they can fucking code and that makes zero and sense that really makes all I'm zero saying sense is that 
if you're an IT person and you want a, a slightly better piece of information, if you're looking at two different pieces of software, open source, both of which purport to solve your problem, one of the pieces of information you might want to consider is, do they have a code of conduct in their repository? Because if they do, then what you know is that when they take bug fixes, they're not always the best code. Which I think would be that domino effect that would lead that whole uh, particular part of the industry of coders and bring them right down to uh, where people wouldn't want to use the software. I mean, the other interesting thing, I guess, is do the people that are involved in these things, and I get it from running uh, a community, a few communities, actually, at the early stages of the internet for a couple of different country artists, I get the kind of pissing contest that people get into on these types of things in any that, of these little communities do. that it is exactly what people do. Even no matter how much L I G H L one G H T tries to stop it still going to happen. And I, I get what happens. So what the, I mean, the, the bottom line becomes who really cares if you're a user of open source software. I mean, now I have never gone and looked for a code of conduct. I would just for out of interest sake now may do that. But if I'm looking for a piece of open, uh, open source software, it's to do something I needed to do. I do not care about what's going on behind and, the scenes. And you shouldn't. And do they really think that people do? It's but, like, it seems they, like they're wasting well, no, a lot they, of time. Yes. Yes. They absolutely believe that people do. And the type of people who do believe are exactly the type of people who are putting this in. They are the product of the, the current college system, which is churning out people who have gender studies degrees and are completely unfit to enter the workforce. But they have been infused with the ideology that what you do is unimportant, only who you are. And those are the people who are coming out and are looking at code and going, well, does this, is this code released under an ethical open source license or, or is it just an unethical open source license like GPL? Because even bits and bytes can just be politicized. I'd like to know, is there any repositories? Is there any group out there that only allows the people to send in the code anonymously so you don't know who where the code came from i'm not aware of that but i like the idea and and honestly i would not be surprised if it happens it, um, it would make sense i mean I, I mean in the early days of the internet where you were identified on usenet as nothing more than your email address or your chosen pseudonym that's kind of what we did i mean even even in projects that i've worked on uh you know i have i have my word my my name you know like jimbo 37 45 6 something and that's all anybody knows me as and you you join a community and by the way that's not actually my handle um i'm, I'm not telling you what it is but uh you join a community and you guess. post as the same pseudonym over and over again until the point where people are like yeah the person you know, they, they don't care what my name is. They don't even care what my gender is or my race or my skin color or any of those things that are so damned important to social justice. But they're they're like, well, the person who posts with this pseudonym is a pretty smart guy who seems or a pretty smart person who seems to know what they're doing. You know, it, it, uh, on the Internet, nobody knows your dog. For all I know, my my cat is the one who's posting this for all they know. It doesn't matter. 
All they know is that pseudonym is now tied to insightful posts that are well thought out and and to code submissions that are pretty good quality code. And and that is how back in the day, that is how we always built up reputation online. You you did it, I did it, we all did it back then because everybody was online as whatever their chosen pseudonym was and and you know it it, it could be a nickname. It's usually not super well obfuscated but I, I i didn't go out and give my name address and and uh, dna makeup to say here's who i am i just went out and said you know i i use the name you know, serp emrose which i guess is not very obfuscated at all no not at all and as fletcher and, points out in the troll room we can't have the terms master and slave anymore and that's interesting when you go back because that was nothing nobody thought anything with the hard drives when you had to put the little uh you know dip switches or you move the little uh uh, the jumpers around was one drive was a master and one was a slave but now now that's of course totally racist and you can't have terminology like that and we must eradicate all of these types of things and uh it's just it's it's absolutely going off the well, deep it's, end it's kind of like those it's kind of like those 15 broken laws a day at this point everything is racist and and we will soon come to a point where so many things are racist that nothing is racist and then suddenly you know we we won't think about racism for a while anymore and and cries of racism will fall on deaf ears because they fucking chicken little have been screaming it for so long and the you know cried wolf or whatever your your allegory of choice is um, and, and really the only real shame is that once everybody is racist all the time, 24 seven, and you, then the word loses meaning and that real actual true racism will be allowed to breed because we won't have any way to describe it because these social justice jackholes have redefined the term and completely ruined it. Well, and I think just like the coronavirus is going to change, maybe how people look at the no borders, one world thing. I think concepts like this where social justice warrioring is keeping the best code from going into a product that may then be a security issue, which may then cause your computer to be at risk. I mean, we saw this, I mean, every month we know Microsoft has their uh, patches that come out for the big security flaws. Not only did they release that on Tuesday, but there was another one today for a uh, a problem with the Samba Server 3, version 3, and uh, so Microsoft had to push another uh, fix out. Now, my question starts becoming, do you really, in a world where computers are becoming more and more important to the things you do on a day-to-day basis, all your data is in there, all of your deep, dark, dark secrets are on your computer on your phone secrets you don't even know about yourself because they were gleaned from by ai from multiple sources yeah do you really want social justice determining who is trying to fix those codes or do you want the best damn coders at their job to be working on the code is that question rhetorical because if you're asking me i think you already know the answer (laughs) i think i i think we can tell the answer because it's the only logical answer which is the best code should be so the one taken to finish my rundown on ethical source the other characteristics uh okay this one i actually kind of like it puts accessibility first uh 
If the software has a user interface, it must be designed with accessibility in mind, ensuring all software functionality is available to all users, including users who may rely on assistive devices. I, I like the idea. Uh, I, I think that it's probably a little bit much. Uh, for one thing, um, I'm, I'm not sure that, again, I'm not sure that the license should be going in and trying to dictate the the design of the software. And and more importantly, there's there's going to be plenty of software where that's not i mean that you don't need it or you don't want it or anyways i a little over restrictive but i like the idea of making people uh, asking people to think about accessibility i just don't want to dictate design uh it prioritizes user safety uh it must be again designed with features and safeguards that minis minimize the risk of abuse or harm to others through the use of the software Neat idea, and depending on whose definition you use for abuse and harm, and I'll give you two guesses whose definition they had in mind for what abuse is. Well, it's certainly not yours uh, or mine. <laughs> see, it protects user privacy uh, along the same lines, but, you know, it, it's a very popular idea to say that people should protect privacy and kind of kind of like that one. Um including let's see restriction 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 on what your software can do must be able to delete yada yada okay fine uh and then here's here's the other place where you you lost me it encourages fair compensation the software project's maintainers may at their discretion request remuneration in the form of code contributions financial consideration or other forms of voluntary support from organizations that derive commercial value from the software they are putting a clause in their license that says after you have decided to use the software for a while we may come to you and demand that you pay us yeah voluntarily force you to pay them i don't get how those two things go together I, well the, the the software project's maintainers may at their discretion request remuneration i that so i mean they are putting in this in fact this isn't even a license. This is a characteristic they want of every license that fits their definition. And so they are saying the software license must include a clause that says we can come to you later and ask for money. I, there, this, do, this does not fly in the corporate world, which I think is kind of the goal. But, but they can ask for money, but they're not saying they're shutting you down if they don't get money. Because well, it's that still, depends on the license. Yeah, I guess. I, I I would not be surprised if some of these licenses are actually in there. Uh, now, here's the funny thing. Um, I, I went back and, and read this list today because I needed a, to build it up for my notes. Uh, that list of criteria has changed almost entirely since last week, the first time that I clicked on this page when it was brought up. Wow. Um, last week... It had uh, a clause, and I don't remember exactly what the clause was about, but uh, it, it said that any ethical source software license must not allow the software to be used by anybody who participates in certain evil activities, which included, uh, you know, allowing abuse or creating software that could be used to harm children or anything like that. And and that was the thing that I really wanted to freak out about because that it's overbearing in every way. So I dug through and I found a software license. It is called the do no harm license. 
which still has this in it and and claims to be ethical source. I don't know if they've checked to the completely rewritten definitions in the last week, but uh, I I, it, well, I need to read some of this to you. Yeah, please do because it seems to me that all software can at least anything that's connecting to the internet and especially anything that has to allow that allows any kind of communication like all of these social media platforms can be used for bad things how do you stop it yeah (laughs) by by putting out restrictions that make it so that nobody with a lick of sense will ever use your software that seems to be the method okay Most software today is developed with little or no thought as to how it will be used or the consequences for our society and planet. As software developers, we engineer infrastructure of the 21st century. We recognize that our infrastructure has great power to shape the world and the lives of those we share it with, and we choose to consciously take responsibility for the social and environmental aspects of what we build. This is the first paragraph of a software license. Yeah, that makes sense. That's more Uh, important. We envisage... We envisage a world free from injustice, inequality, and the reckless destruction of lives and our planet. We reject slavery in all its forms, whether by force, indebtedness, or by algorithms that hack human vulnerabilities. We seek a world where humankind is at peace with our neighbors, nature, and ourselves. We want our work to enrich the physical, mental, and spiritual well-being of all society. We build software to further this vision of a just world, or at the very least, to not put that vision further from reach this is not a software license this is a goddamn manifesto it sure sounds like one so the terms the actual meat of the license that was just the preamble the meat of the license. okay first of all uh redistribution must contain software copyright notice uh redistribution you need a attribution clause uh okay all this is normal stuff term number four this software must not be used by any organization, website, product, or service that. Now, we have a bulleted list. Not only that, we have a hierarchy of bulleted lists, so you know this is good. So just to be clear, just to be clear, this is the people that can't use the software, even though they have no ability to stop them from using it. This software must not be used by any organization, website, product, or service. The, The license, the terms of this software is you cannot use it. Uh, Any, any organization, website, product, or service that. A, lobbies for, promotes, or derives a majority of income from actions that support or contribute it to. One, sex trafficking, (laughs) human trafficking, slavery, indentured servitude, gambling, tobacco, tobacco, adversely addictive behaviors, nuclear energy, warfare, weapons manufacturing, war crimes, violence, except when required to protect public safety, (laughs) burning (laughs) of forests, deforestation which apparently is somehow different from burning a forest and finally hate speech or discrimination based on age gender gender identity race sexuality religion nationality but all the things that weren't in that list are probably okay right hate speech is okay as long as it's yeah yeah that makes sense yeah hate hate speech based on something else is probably fine i didn't whatever so if if you engage in any of that if you engage in tobacco if you engage in nuclear energy uh it Ad- adversely addictive behaviors whatever the hell that is then i'm sorry you can't use this software well addictive um, behaviors or, would be any video game would be yeah, caffeine yes. would be uh, uh and, and apparently social networks are right fucking out yes energy drink i mean there's so much stuff that would be uh, considered addictive in this day and exactly. age. exactly so that was a uh b 
the software must not be used at any organization, website, product, or service that be lobbies against or derives a majority of income from actions that discourage or frustrate peace. Okay. Uh, peaceful assembly and association, including worker associations. If you are anti-union, you can't use this software. Uh, democratic processes. Well, that's fucking vague. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, a access to the rights set out in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and the Convention on the Rights of the Child. Won't somebody please think of the children? Also, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Isn't that the one that says that fucking broadband is a human right that everybody is entitled to? Probably, but they don't know they- how to get it to them. No, because it's a positive right, which is, have I given the negative versus positive rights argument on this show yet? I don't think so. It's, uh, I, I, I should, and, and you should ask me about that sometime. Um, and then finally, uh, lobbies against or derives a majority of income from actions that discourage or frustrate a safe environment or action to curtail the use of fossil fuels or prevent climate change. Ooh, climate so, change. Ooh. Any anybody that uses a gasoline motor i guess uh trucking companies are not allowed to do this because they derive a majority of their income from actions that use fossil fuels you mean like most companies i yeah something so yes we we got in the we got in the anti-nuclear energy clause. We got in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. We got in deforestation. We got in the hate speech or discriminate. We got tobacco. And we got uh, the environment. What about this, the vapors that are derived from tobacco? Oh, they're fucking up the environment. They can't use software either. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> so, uh and then um, we we define forests to be 0.5 or more hectares of trees that were either planted more than 50 years ago or were not planted by humans or human-made equipment. This is in a software license. This is clearly an important. And, and they define deforestation to be the clearing, burning, or destruction of 0.5 or more hectares of forest within a one-year period. And it's being asked in the I, troll room what product this is for. But this isn't for one product. This, this is, is for a software license. A blanket license that... Uh, it's supposed to be for ethical. Uh, it, it is called it is called the do no harm license. And I honestly don't know if there's any software out there that is released under this license. But I would argue that it is broad enough that if you, if anyone does release their software under it, they have zero users. And it just seems like a big circle jerk that everybody got together and wrote this up like it was going to have some kind of result on the world. I it it, it is. It is unfortunately it's a trend. It it is a continuation and expansion of the trend of bringing social consciousness and social justice and and environmental causes into the open source community because open source is, is one of the places that looks the most like socialism like communism and and we know that that is the ultimate ideal for a lot of the the leftist I, I don't I honestly I'm only speculating here. I don't know why, but I, I do know that if you are an advocate of open source or you believe in meritocracy amongst software development, um this is an existential threat to the what created 
if you want to destroy all open source and make it so the only software we ever have available is corporate closed source software, then advocate for these types of licenses and this type of thing, because this is the thing that will make it so that nobody who ever reads a license will ever use open source software again. Or they'll just By the way, if you're it. in IT and you're not aware of your license, then you're really not doing yourself any favors. No, well, it's going to be ignored anyway. I mean, you get this in a license, and you know, well, let's the just clauses say, are. You, you but how know, can you ignore the insufferability of the jackholes who are creating this software? It's pretty easy. I mean, you just okay. don't, don't read it. <laughs> you download it and you start using it, and then uh, I'm sure once they start getting, you know, IP uh, phoning home to the mothership that's saying uh, it's being used at Trump Tower or something, that uh, th- they'll have a, a, a conniption. But I don't think there's really anything you can do about it. And uh, I, I do want to point out, we got an email from Sir Dude Named Anonymous who said his wife finds you to be completely untrustable with your, <laughs> the things that you spew. And I, I can't disagree. I will know. I will neither. Uh, I will neither confirm or deny that that's a possibility. Okay. But it seems. I, I don't- it, i, I, I don't ask this. anybody to blindly i don't ask anyone to blindly blindly trust me so or blindly um, trust you, know, you to to blind me yeah the uh i, I guess I, I missed this live and i didn't didn't actually i should could have brought this up i think in the last episode i don't remember when i got the email but the uh during talk of coronavirus you made the comment i guess that the flu shot had killed more people than coronavirus not the flu and uh yeah, she wanted to point out that that was incorrect, and she wanted if or if she thought okay. she said if 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 you actually thought that was the case, they would prefer that you uh, give some links and some uh, background and where you got the information. I mean, I didn't want okay. to respond that you got it out of your posterior, but uh, that was just. Uh, but but that was a pretty good place to do it because the information, <laughs> I, you know, and that it's probably not true anymore. But at the time I said it was like what, four weeks ago, which would be when. There were two cases in the entire United States and and four cases in all of Europe and maybe maybe 3000 cases in China. And okay, so we got uh, call it 5000 cases around the world when I said this and and people were just starting to freak out about it. And let's assume that the 1% death rate of this particular virus is is accurate because uh, I I honestly don't believe it's as high as 1%. I think that the number of people who are not reporting that they got sick is probably significantly higher than the people are, but let's let's assume that this is particularly horrible and it is actually killing 1% and there were say 5,000, let's be really really generous and say there were 10,000 cases globally. At the time when when this story was first coming out, that means that it had killed a hundred people. Are you telling me that in all of the time that we've been having flu shots, which is twenty plus years now, and the potential for complications from flu shots, which I think is something like 005 percent, it's pretty low, but the number of people who've received flu shots is less than a hundred. I'm going to stand by that, and no, I don't have any facts. What I have <laughs> is the ability. The ability to reason, the ability to ISO. think about statistics and and probabilities, and yeah, um, the the fucking coronavirus was a brand new thing that had not impacted very many people. The flu shot is something that impacts a lot of people, and when you 
force or, or not so much force, but you know, nowadays people are actually trying to force a flu shot on millions and millions of people every single year. If you have any kind of non-zero rate of fucking people up, then you're going to get more than a hundred cases globally in the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. And I, I think that's the, wrong. the cold me, opener. Oh. We know the cold opener now. <laughs> and no, I don't have any facts. Uh, but you know what? I, I you're, you're winning me over here because at first I was just putting it into the concept, uh, the, the the construct that you were talking about this year. You know, this season that the flu shot had killed more people than coronavirus. That is probably not what you said, knowing you that you just said the flu shot. You didn't give any any kind of construct. So from the beginning of flu shot starting until that point had killed more than coronavirus. You you may have been correct. So. Uh, have you sure dude named Anonymous and his wife have to uh, have to back you know, off it their would, statement it would a little? Save us, it would save us a lot of logic <laughs> and, and a lot of thinking and analysis if if you people would just always assume that I'm correct 100% of the time. We could just get to the end point that you all end up that anyway. I don't think that's going to happen, but <laughs> it is good no, content. No, because the process is entertaining. And I can only imagine, I mean, I don't have any stats on this and it would take some research, but I would assume when the flu shot, especially in the early days when this began, that more people had adverse reactions while they, uh, while they got the technology right. And I think it is fairly right now that I don't think, uh, you know, on a year to year basis now that a lot of people are dying from the flu shot. But I could see where maybe that had happened in the past and the overall numbers, a cumulative between the start of time and now was more than this coronavirus, which was just starting in January. So I, I understand either you were correct or you're just really good on the fly of re jiggering the both? handles. It, it can be both. It could be both. <laughs> it could be both. But we so, appreciate people that want to call us out and tell us we're wrong. And if you have the information that can prove that, we always appreciate that as well. And the yeah. other thing that Sir Dude Named Anonymous mentioned. And it's hard to do, especially now that we're in a more open format of the show. We're not like No Agenda, where Adam posts show notes and there's pages and pages of them. A lot of the times they're never even mentioned on the show. It's all the research being done. They put everything up and they have this going into the show. This is a little bit more of an open form show where the amount of sites that I referenced during this episode was probably uh, a couple articles from two different sites. So there's not a lot of yeah. stuff. We're going upon things that we've read. We've heard in the past that we're not familiar exactly where we got them. It's the knowledge that exists in our brain. But Sir Dude Dan Bananimous suggested it would be helpful. And I agree if we had show notes, but it would take a lot yeah. of work. And I'm not saying well, you, that it's not worth put- it. I, a lot of people might not realize this, but on grumpyoldbens.com, you do put, if if you click in, you put a description of the episode that usually has at least some of of the sources, you know, when we have links. Which is usually never. Well, and we've never yeah, really but, done I mean, a whole lot of that. I mean, uh, usually we try, and I understand if you're listening live, especially like this article on that L1GHT thehackernews.com was our source for that. And a lot of times we do try to mention that where we're getting this stuff from as opposed to figuring people are going, I was just, maybe it's, it's a, it's the case that for me, 
I don't go looking for show notes when I listen to a podcast. Some people do, and I can see where you'd want them to be there. I don't know what that percentage is. He did well, offer, to be fair, Sir Dude Named Anonymous offered that service that he could do the show notes. And I, I, I think that when we, I think when we directly reference articles, it would be helpful to provide links uh, on grumpyoldbens.com in in the post. I think that that's probably not that difficult to do. And in fact, starting last week, I started giving you link dumps for here are all of the URLs that were in my notes that we talked about. Um, I don't know if I don't know if that made it last time because uh, I kind of sprinted out of here right after the show and then went and drove up a volcano. Yes. Uh, But that doesn't happen every week. (laughs) Hopefully not, because sooner or later, the volcano is going to explode. And, uh, you know, that would have been really entertaining. And also, it was fucking cold up there. A little bit of molten rock might have heated up my my day a little bit. Were you not aware the weather was going to be chilly? I, 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 it was unseasonably winter. You brought a chainsaw and bemlet. Yes. I mean, what more do you need? What else did you bring with you? What's your survival gear when you go up the side of Mount St. Helens? Um, a camper. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's not even camping. You didn't know it. You're not in a tent. So you're telling me you're like it, in an RV or what are you in a like uh, airstream? Yeah, what do well, you got? I, you know, it, it wasn't mine. Uh, uh, no, Bemlet drove a, a two wheel drive truck with a an RV on the back of it up this windy ass gravel mountain road, uh, which was honestly probably the most dangerous thing about the entire trip. <laughs> but uh, it the RV has a propane heater inside which allows the inside of the rv to be a nice comfortable 45 to 50 degrees instead of the uh you know negative 10 that it was outside and you just went to get away from the wife and drink why would you go out in an rv when it's like below zero below well, getting away from the wife wasn't a specific requirement drinking of course was you, you could have drank at home yeah, but then, I mean, I was with other people and, and was able to expose myself to all kinds of new and interesting viruses. I do this for the show so that I'll have something to complain about when I get back. Sir Bemrose exposes himself. Another reason why we don't do video here on Grumpy Old Ben's. Yes. I'm just so saying. I've, I've just about run out of notes. The only other thing I have is, is a little blurb about Netflix is killing Disney+. Plus. Um, you know what? what from that statement alone plus the ability to reason by anybody paying attention is pretty much everything you need to know about that but killing i mean disney plus is brand new and which i didn't think disney plus was going to do uh the amount of business that everybody thought it was and uh owning some disney stock i can tell you i'm it's not doing really well right now and uh well okay so the the actual study was somebody uh who was this uh I can't find the source, but it it's in the article. Um, somebody who they do a, an add on thing that, that they wrap up streaming services and then ship it to their, to their subscribers. And what, it, what it means is that they're actually in a position to be able to compare, uh, what people watched from the different services. Um, and, and I don't know if any of this is true, but I believe these numbers simply because, uh, they, they make sense and conform to my preconceived biases. Um, the top 10 most watched shows, uh, amongst both services that they came up with, uh, number one was the Mandalorian makes sense. On Disney plus. Yeah. Number two, the good place on Netflix. Number three, sex education on Netflix, stranger things on Netflix, the Witcher on Netflix, the crown on Netflix, shameless on Netflix, Grey's anatomy on Netflix, 
Peaky Blinders on Netflix, The End of the Fucking World on Netflix. Uh, in fact, the next, the, the first, you know, Disney Plus had the first ranked show and then they had number 24. <laughs> and uh, that was everything Disney Plus had in the top 50. Which um, is the problem with Disney Plus. And everybody the, knew the that only, when they launched. The, the only two shows that Disney Plus had that were in the top 50 watched shows were The Mandalorian at number one and The Simpsons at number 24. And, and The Simpsons was around before Disney Plus. Not really a, a new thing. It, they just happened to have locked up exclusive licenses for that. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know they had the, the Simpsons license, which, of course, points you directly towards piracy. But so the, the top watched movies, uh, number one, The Irishman on Netflix. Number two, Avengers Infinity War on Netflix. Uh, number three, which is interesting because that's a Marvel movie. Number three, Marriage Story on Netflix. Four, The Matrix on Netflix. 1999, motherfuckers. <laughs> That's what people watch when the coronavirus that is, is coming. Movie. Uh, number five, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse on Netflix. Another Marvel one. Uh, number six, Three Idiots on Netflix. Uh, it wasn't till number seven you get a Disney Plus with Avengers Endgame. Uh, number eight was Inception on Netflix. Uh, number nine, The Avengers, the very first Marvel movie. Uh, on Disney Plus and the number 10 with the highest showing of any Star Wars property was Star Wars Episode four, A New Hope on Disney Plus. Wow. So the first one, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that is interesting because I do believe that Disney has killed Star Wars. I do believe when the we said it here, I think when Disney Plus was launched that the Mandalorian was the only thing people wanted to see. And the whole series is, what, 13 episodes, maybe like an hour an episode. So uh, yeah, under 13 hours, so, I think they are like 45 and, and, minutes and for, for syndication. So if you can, you can easily watch that, that in the first free month. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that it's a good show. But if I, I th this is exactly the same story that I think came up with CBS All Access. And uh, it is it is these these networks the the old school networks are looking at what netflix is doing and saying we want some of that money we'll la let's launch our own streaming service and if if you create a streaming service people are going to have to create an account and add one more bill and i mean there's there's quite a lot of friction to just adding a streaming service and you better have in, contact in fact, this is yeah and and if you're going to do that you know uh CBS All Access launched with uh, Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Social Justice, or whatever the whichever Discovery, that aka was. Social Justice, right? Um, and Disney Plus launched with The Mandalorian and a couple Star Wars movies. And in both cases, I, I mean, okay, look, you got one brand new series. You're going to launch your entire thing, and you have still maybe two series worth watching in six months. I guess Disney Plus is only four months old. Netflix comes out with a new series worth watching every two weeks now. They are churning out the content. Um, you, you can't steal all those Netflix dollars if you're just going to put out one series and be like, here, go ahead and do this. And and by the way, please don't binge watch it until you spend more than a couple months because right. we'd really like those subscription dollars. Which is why you don't put the whole series out at one time. They made that mistake with Disney Plus. But I've been seeing well, if, if the whole series is available at all one time, you know, if yes. they put it out week after week after week, I'm going to fucking wait. 
Right. Well, normal people would that aren't crazy about it, but the, the super fans would have stayed through the three months and then canceled rather than the one. Yeah. But I'm seeing a rise of services that are somehow acting as proxies to all of these pay services where yeah. you log in and tell them what you want to watch. It doesn't matter whether it's on Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, whatever it is, Disney Plus. You say, hey, I want to watch this. And they kind of can act as a, a proxy. And all of a sudden you're watching any of those things and you pay them yeah. one thing and they have a bunch of, you know, hey, if they have 10 Disney accounts, well, then they could be streaming 10 to 10 different people at one time without Disney knowing as much as they try to stop that stuff. It's nearly impossible. And the uh, the, the data that I just quoted, I finally decided to look it up like, OK, I have some facts. Uh, the data came from a company called Real Good, which is exactly what you're talking about. It's one of those services that aggregates the streaming services. I find it absolutely fascinating that we are somehow reinventing the all-in-one cable model <laughs> online streaming. Yes. You pay one person who's then going to go grab a bunch of content from other places, and they're going to pay just like the cable providers had to pay. I mean, people, I think, understand that for Comcast to have HBO, Showtime, all those, they have to pay them, and then you pay Comcast, and that's how that recoups. Uh, it's the same concept. You're right. It's being done again, where all these individual streaming services, they're kind of helpless to stop these companies from doing it, too. So it's kind of fun to well, watch. Yeah. And and the the fascinating thing about this is it, what, the takeaway that I take is that people that hate on cable companies do not hate the model of paying one bill and getting all this stuff you want. Right. They, they just don't like the players. They don't like the, you know, when, when you can pay real good and I, I have no idea what the prices are. So I'm going to pull some numbers out of my butt. Um, if they say you can have Disney plus and Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and whatever, uh, and we'll charge you $50 a month. Then you get all the streaming channels that you need. You get a full slate of things to watch. You only have one bill and it's a far cry from the, what, $250 a month or whatever that Comcast charges. Yeah. Whatever I, the, I, I don't think these people dislike the model. I think they just dislike the companies doing it because the companies get really damn comfortable in their, their monopolies and their, you know, having, having convinced all the local regulators to keep all competition out and, and then they can just sit back and crank up prices. And what the fuck are you going to do, you stupid plebeians? Well, they're two different mentalities. And they're the people that don't want to, or at least they want to think they're not paying for things they're not watching. And then there are people like my dad for years with DirecTV. Just, uh, just give me everything because I don't know what I'm going to want to watch. And I guess if you can afford it, that's great. But, you know, it was more than once pointed yeah. out, like, and you know, you're paying 200. It's, it's a luxury. Yes. You're it's paying money <laughs> for channels you're never going to watch. And you can. Uh, and there, there was a swing from that, I think, more so now where people are like, well, I can get away with less. And uh, that's a good thing. But we're going to end up maybe back in the same place where, where we started. And a lot of people still don't know you could put up a cheap $20 antenna in most areas if you're near a major metropolitan area and get most of the stuff you want to watch on the free airwaves in a quality that. better. Yeah. So there's yes, that. It, it, you, you can. Yes. If, if you want to go the I don't want to pay for it route, um, a lot of people don't realize over the air is still very viable. Now, personally, I still don't want the ads, um, which is why what, you have the reasons a DVR that you can skip yeah. the ads and well, or, or I have Netflix, which doesn't send me ads, which is mostly. true. Or and when they do, I complain about it on my podcast or you have uh, 
easytv.io or whatever the main uh, place that I use to download whatever I want via torrent. I mean, hey, well, maybe. Yeah, yes, and there's there there is always the elephant in the room, which is that if companies get too greedy and make their service too shitty, there's always piracy. There's always piracy. I, I mean, I just do that for educational reasons to uh, you know to yes, see what's going course. on, so Re- I can report research on the reasons. show. Yes, I'm yes. research so I can entertain and inform the people that are listening to Grumpy Old Bands and Random Thoughts, a great side podcast, which, I mean, it came first, but it still seems like a side podcast now, which people... It, it's some great content, and if you if you ever get tired of Darren not being able to talk for more than 30 seconds without being interrupted, <laughs> Random Thoughts is, is your go-to. Right, it is. It's Grumpy Old Bands minus the Bemrose. I mean, that really, that should be my tagline, <laughs> and uh, people will dig it. But we do appreciate the people that listen. We appreciate the people that come along into the live chat slash troll room at noagendastream.com when we do these shows live. And we appreciate the people who have sent in a little. We work on the value for value model. So we appreciate the people that will part with some of their hard-earned cash, especially in the times we're living in now where markets are crashing, gold is crashing, Bitcoin is crashing. I guess the way I look at it is take your money out of all that bad stuff and send it to us. And you know how much value you're going to get back. It's not a question. You know you're getting value back. And for this show, we have our buddy Keith Von Dyke, who supports both this show and Random Thoughts. We appreciate it on a monthly donation. And we also have Gummy Nerds coming in for the first time with a donation and a note that says, thanks for the entertainment, love and light, Gummy Nerds. And I ran into him in the troll room the other day, and he said the... uh, the sir bembrose daycare episode he thought was really really good and i thought that was a great title it would both scare and intrigue people so we it scared appre- me <laughs> so we appreciate gummy nerds and keith von dyke for supporting grumpy old bens and if you want to do that as well it feels good i've heard you can go to grumpy we've tried to make this as easy and painless as possible there's a little donate button that you can do a one-time donation or monthly through the evil paypal you can also go to patreon.com grumpy old bands and use the evil Patreon, or you can use the evil Bitcoin. There's a QR code, or you can do PO box three, five. Do, do I have eight. to use the evil Bitcoin? No, well, you can use the, if you want I mean, to I, use the, the non-evil one, you can try that, but it doesn't usually work as good. Okay. Or PO box three, five, eight. I believe that's correct. Mokina, Illinois, six, oh, four, four, eight. Check grumpy for all of the information. We're trying to make it easy. For you to help us keep the lights on, keep doing these shows. I mean, Sir Bemrose needs a lot of sinus infection medications, so uh, any little bit helps. It's it's for the children to keep them away from Sir Bemrose. Yes, keep and to keep my my poor children in catnip. The furry friends. So you're one of those. So when when uh, No Agenda talks about the fur parents, you know, is that you? Do you feel that's you that they're talking to, or? Uh, uh no, no, they're. <laughs> I, I, dogs are are your fur babies. Your your fur children are almost always dogs. When when it's cats in your house, they're actually your evil overlords. The cats are in control. That uh, that I believe. That I do believe. So I, I think that does that wrap up what we need for Grumpy Old Ben's today. Is there anything? I got else? nothing. You got nothing. But you, you have no facts too. We have that. Uh, we have that clear. <laughs> I mean, hopefully next week we'll both still be. I mean, the news is telling us, man, this is about to hit. So hopefully next week. We'll both be healthy. It's okay. Our our governor has completely shut down the economy 
and decided to legislate the to to make all human interaction illegal and that's going to lick this virus right away i'm sure do not lick the virus do not do not lick the virus that will infect you again i'm not a doctor don't take this as medical advice but hopefully everybody will be healthy next week for another episode of grumpy old bens until then I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I'm afraid of everything. And from America's left coast, where the apocalypse is early. But hey, it brought beer. I'm hey, Ryan Bimrose. Hey, see, at least on New Year's, you were late for the apocalypse. You're early. <laughs> <laughs>